The Throne of Fire, Chapter 16, But Not as Evil as Romans. To be fair, the mummies in that particular room were mostly ruined already, thanks to the moisture from the leaking tower above. Just add water to mummies for a truly horrible smell. We climbed over the rubble and found a corridor leading deeper underground. I couldn't tell whether it was natural or man-made, but it snaked a good 40 meters through solid rock before opening into another burial chamber. This room had not been damaged by water. Everything was remarkably well-preserved. Walt had brought torches, flashlights for you Americans, and in the dim light, on stone slabs and in niches carved along the walls, gold-painted mummies glittered. There were at least a hundred in this room alone, and more corridors led off in each direction. Walt shined his light on three mummies lying together on a central dais. Their bodies were completely wrapped in linen, so they looked rather like bowling pins. Their likenesses were painted on the linen in meticulous detail. Hands crossed over their chests, jewelry adorning their necks, Egyptian kilt and sandals, and a host of protective hieroglyphs, an image of the god, and a border on each side. All this was typical Egyptian art, but their faces were done in a completely different style. Realistic portraits that looked cut and pasted onto the mummy's heads. On the left was a man with a thin, bearded face and sad, dark eyes. On the right was a beautiful woman with curly, auburn hair. What really pulled at my heart, though, was the mummy in the middle. Its body was tiny, obviously a child. Its portrait showed a boy of about seven years old. He had the man's eyes and the woman's hair. A family, Walt guessed, buried together. There was something tucked under the child's right elbow, a small wooden horse, possibly his favorite toy. Even though this family had been dead for thousands of years, I couldn't help getting a bit teary-eyed. It was so bloody sad. How did they die? I wondered. From the corridor directly in front of us, a voice echoed. The wasting disease. My staff was instantly in my hand. Walt trained his torch on the doorway, and a ghost stepped into the room. At least I assumed he was a ghost, because he was see-through. He was a heavy, older man with short, cropped, white hair, bulldog jowls, and a cross expression. He wore Roman-style robes and coal eyeliner. So he looked rather like Winston Churchill, if the old Prime Minister had thrown a wild toga party and gotten his face painted. Newly dead? He eyed us warily. Haven't seen any new arrivals in a long time. Where are your bodies? Walt and I glanced at each other. Actually, I said, we're wearing them. The ghost's eyebrows shot up. Die immortales. You're alive? So far, Walt said. Then you've brought offerings. The man rubbed his hands. Oh, they said you would come, but we've waited ages. Where have you been? Um, 
I didn't want to disappoint a ghost, especially it was beginning to glow more brightly, which in magic is often a prelude to exploding. Perhaps we should introduce ourselves. I'm Sadie Kane. This is Walt. Of course, you need my name for the spells. The, glos- the ghost cleared his throat. <clears throat> I am Appius Claudius Eratus. I got the feeling I was supposed to be impressed. Right. That's not Egyptian, I gather. The ghost looked offended. Roman, of course. Following those cursed Egyptian customs is how we all ended up here to begin with. Bad enough I got stationed in this godforsaken oasis. As if Rome needed an entire legion to guard some date farms. Then I had the bad luck to fall ill. Told my wife on my deathbed. Lobelia, an old-fashioned Roman burial. None of this local nonsense. But no, she never listened. Had to mummify me. So my ba is stuck here forever. Women. She probably moved back to Rome and died in the proper way. Lobelia? I asked. Because really, I hadn't heard much after that. What sort of parents named their child Lobelia? The ghost huffed and crossed his arms. But you don't want to hear me ramble on, do you? You may call me Mad Claude. That's the translation in your tongue. I wondered how a Roman ghost could speak English, or if I simply understood him through some sort of telepathy. Either way, I was not relieved to find out his name was Mad Claude. Um, Walt raised his hand. Are you mad as in angry, or mad as in crazy? Yes, Claude said. Now about those offerings, I see staffs, wands, and amulets. So I assume you're a priest with the local house of life? Good, good. Then you'll know what to do. What to do? I agreed heartily. Yes, quite. Claude's eyes narrowed. Oh, Jupiter. You're novices, aren't you? Did the temple even explain the problem to you? Um, He stormed over to the family of mummies we'd been looking at. This is Lucius, Flavia, and little Perpins. They died of the wasting plague. I've been here so long, I could tell you practically everyone's story. They talk to you? I stepped away from the mummy family. Suddenly, little Perpins didn't seem so cute. Mad Claude waved his hand impatiently. Sometimes, yes. Not as much as in the old days. Their spirits sleep most of the time now. The point is, no matter how bad a death these people had, their fate after death has been worse. All of us, all these Romans living in Egypt, got an actual Egyptian burial. Local customs, local priests, mummified the bodies for the next life, etc. We thought we were covering our bases. Two religions, twice the insurance. Problem was, you foolish Egyptian priest didn't know what you were doing anymore. By the time we Romans came along, most of your magic knowledge was lost. But did you tell us that? 
No. You were happy to take our coins and do a shoddy job. Ah. I backed away a bit more from Mad Claude, who was now glowing quite dangerously. Well, I'm sure the House of Life has a customer service number for that. You can't go halfway with these Egyptian rituals, he grumbled. We ended up with mummified bodies and eternal souls tethered to them. No one followed up. No one said the prayers to help us move to the next life. No one made offerings to nourish our bars. Do you know how hungry I am? We've got some beef jerky, Walt offered. We couldn't go to Pluto's realm like good Romans, Claude went on, because our bodies had been prepared for a different afterlife. We couldn't go to the Duat because we weren't given the proper Egyptian rituals. Our souls were stuck here, attached to these bodies. Do you have any idea how boring it is down here? So, if you're a Ba, I asked, why don't you have a bird's body? I told you, we're all mixed up. Not pure Roman ghosts, not proper Ba. If I had wings, believe me, I'd fly out of here. By the way, what year is it? Who's the emperor now? Oh, his name is... Walt coughed and then rushed on. You know, Claude, I'm pretty sure we can help you. We can? I said. Oh, right. We can. Walt nodded encouragingly. The thing is, we have to find something first. A scroll, I put in. Part of the Book of Ra. Claude scratched his considerable jowls. And this will help you send our souls to the next life? Well, I said, yes, Walt said. Possibly, I said. We don't really know until we find it. It's supposed to wake Ra, you see, which will help the Egyptian gods. I'd like to think that would improve our chances at getting into the afterlife. Besides, I'm on good terms with the Egyptian gods. They pop over for tea from time to time. If you helped us, I could certainly put in a word. Honestly, I've just been making up things to say. I'm sure this will surprise you, but I sometimes ramble when I get nervous. Oh, stop laughing, Carter. At any rate, Mad Claude's expression became shrewder. He studied us as if assessing our bank accounts. I wondered if the Roman Empire had used chariot salesmen, and if Mad Claude had been one. I imagined him on a Roman commercial in a cheap plaid toga. I must be crazy to be giving away chariots at these prices. On good terms with the Egyptian gods, he mused. Put in a word, you say. Then he turned to Walt. Claude's expression was so calculating, so eager... It made my skin crawl. If the scroll you seek is ancient, it would be in the oldest section of the catacombs. Some natives were buried there, you know, long before we Romans came along. Their bars have all moved on now. No trouble getting into the duat for them. But their burial sites are still intact. Lots of relics and so on. You'd be willing to show us? Walt asked, with much more excitement than I could have imagined. 
Oh, yes. Mad Claude gave his best used chariot salesman smile. And later, we'll talk about the appropriate fee, eh? Come along, my friends. It's not far. Note to self. When a ghost offers to guide you deeper into a burial site and his name includes the word mad, it's best to say no. As we passed through the tunnels and chambers, Mad Claude gave us a running commentary on the various mummies. Caligula, the date merchant. Horrible name, but once you're named for an emperor, even a psychotic one, you can't do much about it. He died betting someone he could kiss a scorpion. Vern's the slaver. Disgusting man. Tried to go into the gladiator business. If you give a slave a sword, well, you can guess how he died. Octavia, the legion commander's wife, went completely native. Had her cat mummified. She even believed she had the blood of the pharaohs and tried to channel the spirit of Isis. Her death, needless to say, was painful. He grinned at me like this was extremely funny. I try not to look horrified. What struck me most was the sheer number and variety of mummies. Some were wrapped in real gold. Their portraits were so lifelike, their eyes seemed to follow me as they passed. They sat on ornately carved marble slabs surrounded by valuables. Jewelry, vases, even some shopti. Other mummies looked as if nursery school children had made them in art class. They were crudely wrapped, painted with shaky hieroglyphs and little stick figure gods. Their portraits were not much better than I could have done, which is to say, dreadful. Their bodies were stuffed three deep in shallow niches or simply piled in the corners of the room. 